We're going to finish up a series that we've been working through since Easter. And it's been this series where we have asked the question whether we are fans of Jesus or followers of His. Whether our lives are built around this admiration of Jesus and who He is, or even built around the things that we think Jesus can provide for us, or whether we are a follower of His. Whether we're someone that stands and will say that we believe in Jesus, but when it really gets down to following Him, we are not as committed as we would like to think. We started, like I said, on Easter and have walked through these various passages of Scripture. And today we're going to finish with the end of a passage of Scripture that we started last week. And last week we talked about Jesus laying out what it meant to follow Him. And we really just talked about the first two or three things that it would require of us, and we kind of left hanging there this idea of what it really means to follow. Well, Jesus does that in the text a little bit. He kind of leaves it there. He, he goes and does some other things. But when you think about what we studied last week where He says, if anyone is to come after Me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow Me. We talked about the open invitation that extends to all of us to be able to follow Him. We talked about that we must be willing to to worry not about ourselves, but that we must completely surrender to Him, and that we must daily die to our motives, our understandings, our feelings, the things in our lives that would cause us not to be able to follow. Well, today we're going to talk about the actual following And what that means. Because Jesus, when he got through with that little discussion, he then uses another famous statement from the Gospels when he says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? And then they have this little adventure with three of his best disciples, or closest disciples. He takes them up on a mountain, and while they're on the mountain, he transfigures before them and becomes this godlike figure. They see him in his Glory. Now we know Jesus was God in the flesh, but they get a glimpse of who He really is. As we get towards the end of this passage of Scripture, of the chapter 9 of the book of Luke, Jesus is going to clarify what He meant when He said, follow Me. In verse 57, He's going to have three people come to Him wanting to follow And they're all going to ask a question, and Jesus is going to give a response. And the basic understanding that Jesus wants them to get is that following Him is an all-inclusive commitment. And basically, He's going to tell them that following Him means saying, I will go wherever you want me to go, whenever you want me to go, to do whatever you want me to do. Wherever, whenever, whatever. I will go wherever you want me, Jesus, whenever you want me to do it, to do whatever you call me to do. Look at chapter 9, verse 57. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow. 
I will follow you wherever you go. Now, this seems like a a pretty open-ended statement. The guy says, Jesus, wherever you want to go, I'll follow you, I'll do whatever you want. And in fact, he was making a statement that I don't just want to be one of these people that are here to hear your teaching. I don't want to just be one that's kind of hanging on. What I want to do is I want to be one of the twelve, is basically what he says. I want to be one of the ones that are in your inner circle, that are traveling with you everywhere. And if I can't be one of the twelve, then I want to be like Mary or Martha or Lazarus. I want to be right there with you. I want to follow you wherever you go. And what I love about Jesus is, Jesus understood people's motives behind their questions. He understood their thoughts behind what they said. Don't you wish you had that ability sometime? Well, Miss Pat Lane for shaking head. That's right, we probably don't want to know sometimes. But Jesus knew what was in the heart. And so he looks at this guy and he just gives a statement. He really doesn't answer the question. I will follow you wherever you go. Verse 58 says, Jesus said to him, Foxes have dens, Birds of the sky have nest, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What Jesus is saying to this guy is this. It is real easy to talk about following Jesus until you get into the specifics of what that means. When you're just saying generally, Jesus, I'll go with you wherever you go. When we sit here on Sunday morning and the invitation hymn starts and we sing, wherever He leads, I'll go. It's easy to say that when you don't have the practical implications of what's to come. And Jesus says, listen, you say you'll follow me wherever, but I don't think you understand what that means. And the truth is, if I were to ask you here today, hey, let me ask you a question. Would you go wherever Jesus wanted you to go? Many of you. Now, some of you would be honest and say, no, I wouldn't do that, Pastor. Now, I'm pretty good where I am. I'm not going to do that. But some of you would, absolutely, I'll do whatever Jesus says. And Jesus would look at us and go, you don't really know what that means. Ann Judson was the wife of America's first forward missionary, Adoram Judson. Adoram was 24 when he decided that Jesus had called him to go to Burma. Burma did not have a single missionary and was extremely hostile to Christians. He was in love with this girl named Anne, who was 23 at the time. And he wanted to marry her, but he wanted her family and her to understand what was going to have to happen. So before he married Anne, he wrote her dad this letter, asking permission to marry his daughter. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her, see her no more in this world. Whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of the missionary life. Whether you can consent to her exposures to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of war and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. He's really getting romantic here, isn't he? 
Can you consent to all of this for the sake of Him who left His heavenly home and died for her and for you? For the sake of perishing immortal souls? For the sake of Zion and the glory of God? Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory with a crown of righteousness? Adoram, put some practical implications of I'll follow you wherever before Anne's dad. Now, I'm going to read a letter from Anne in just a moment. What I think is remarkable in this story is that her dad tells her it's your decision. As a dad, I realize how difficult it would be to answer that kind of letter with yes or it's your decision. Anne thought about her decision and wrote this letter to her friend Lydia. I feel willing and expect, if nothing in providence prevents, to spend my days in this world in heathen lands. Yes, Lydia, I have about come to the determination to give up all my comforts and enjoyments here, sacrifice my affection to relatives and friends, and go where God shall see fit to place me. In 1820, I mean, in 1813, they were married and left for Burma. In 1824, Adoram was put in, in prison. He was there for 18 months. At night, his feet were tied up and hoisted into the air till only his shoulder and head rested on the ground. It was often 110 degrees and mosquitoes would eat him alive at night. When he went to prison, Anne was pregnant, but she walked two miles every day to plead that Judson would be released. After a year in prison eating rotting food, Adoram had wasted away with hollow eyes, dressed in rags, and crippled from torture. His daughter Maria was born while he was in prison. Anne was sick and thin as Adoram. Her milk dried up. Mercifully, the jailer let Judson out of prison each evening so he could take the baby into the village and beg for any woman there that could to nurse the baby. Not long after Anne died at 37 years old. Now, because of their efforts in Burma, the entire Bible was translated into that language. And today there are 3,700 congregations that all trace their lineage back to a couple that said, God, I'll go wherever. In Luke chapter 9, this guy comes up to Jesus and says, I'll go wherever. But Jesus realizes that that's not what really he means. You see, when you say to God, I'll go wherever, God knows in your heart that there's a there that you won't go to. Unless you're fully committed to Him. God, I'll go wherever you want me to go. But in your heart you're thinking, except here. Or, God, you do whatever you need to do with my kids. Lord, I want them to turn over to you as long as you don't make them... Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my family, but as long as that doesn't mean... Jesus says to follow means, means saying wherever and meaning wherever. You see, God wants you to say yes before the question is ever asked. What He basically tells this guy is, listen, you are signing up for a journey of risk and uncertainty that I cannot guarantee your safety. There's a, a blockbuster movie coming out at the end of this year that is based on one of, those, uh, one of the best-selling books of the 20th century, the book called The Hobbit. And the story of The Hobbit is an interesting story. There's a part at the beginning where this uh, guy shows up at this 
uh, hobbit's house and says, hey, it's time to go on an adventure and all these dwarves come in and we won't get into all that. But at the end of it, he's asking this young hobbit, hey, you've got to go on this journey with us. And I love how it's in the preview, you can already see it. But on the preview it says, the hobbit looks at him and says, can you guarantee my safety? And can you guarantee I'll come back alive? And the guy that's asking him to go just simply looks at him and says, no. And Jesus is basically looking at this guy and saying, I can't promise you any safety or security in this world. I'm asking you to simply follow. When you say, I'll go, when you say, wherever you lead, I'll go, one of the things that I know will happen is that God will carry you into places that you are not comfortable. And if your life is built around comfort, then you need to check whether or not you are truly following Jesus. He says basically, you say you'll go with me wherever you want to go, but you don't know what that means because you're signing up for an adventure that you have no control over if you truly follow me. No control. In fact, that's often one of the things that causes people to kind of be reluctant to make big commitments. Well, what happens if I marry her and she changes? Or what happens if I marry him and he doesn't? What happens if I venture out in this business venture and it fails? What happens if I speak to my neighbor about Jesus and they reject me? What if, what if, what if? And what Jesus says is, you come to me and follow me. You say, I don't care about the what is. I'm in it. One pastor says that when he's uh, counseling with couples that are getting ready to get married, he says, you can always see the stars in their eyes when they walk in. And he said, one of the things that I do is I take them through exercises. He says, we walk line by line through the vows. And I give modern examples from couples that I know who have experienced every one of those things and how it has affected them. For richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. He said, and then I say to him, but let's talk about a little something even more practical. And he looks at the young lady and he says, listen, about a year from now, You're going to walk out of your bedroom and into the living room and this man that you love so much is going to be sitting on the couch, slurping a bowl of cereal, watching Sports Center, and you're going to realize he's put on 10 to 15 pounds. And he hasn't shaved in like a week. And that slurping is going to resonate in your ears over and over. And he's going to take the spoon and he's going to scratch his back and then go back to eating the cereal. And then he says to the husband, and in that exact moment you're going to be sitting there enjoying yourself thinking nothing's wrong and you're going to look up and your mom will have entered the room. She will sound like your mom. Take that back into the kitchen. Quit slurping like that. She's going to be wearing sweatpants with no makeup on. And you're going to think, what have we got ourselves into? Because marriage, in reality is saying wherever, whenever, whatever on the front end of a relationship. And to follow Jesus is a commitment that is even more than that. The first guy comes to Jesus and he says, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says, I don't think you understand what you're saying. 
He then looks at another in verse 59 and says to him, Follow me. Lord, he said, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus gives what in many ways sounds like one of the most inconsiderate answers you could ever give. Jesus says to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own. You go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. This guy just comes to Jesus with what seems like a reasonable request. He says, listen, Jesus, I'm, I am absolutely ready to follow you. In fact, you called me to follow you. I heard you. I, I'm ready. But first, let, let, me, let me go back and bury my dad. Now, you can read commentators that try to soften this and say, well, the dad wasn't dead yet. That he was saying, when my dad passes away and I bury him and fulfill that obligation, then I'll come and follow you. Uh, they'll say uh, that, that what we're seeing here is not that a guy actually has a father who has passed away and he needs to go bury him right then. What we have here is a guy whose dad is either close to death or is not really even that sick yet, but it's just saying, Jesus, I would love to follow you, but right now I have some prior commitments. And what Jesus says to him is, no commitment in your life should ever take precedence over following me. Now, again, that's one of those statements that we say, absolutely. We're in church, we say, everybody should follow Jesus no matter what it means. But when the practical implications start showing up, we go, Woo, now, wait a minute. That's not what you mean, preacher. Now, here's what he means. It doesn't really matter if the father has passed away or the father is still alive. The guy is just asking to do what he is supposed to do according to Jewish law. He's asking to fulfill his obligation to his dad. And Jesus says, no. Here's what Jesus is getting at with this, I believe. He's saying to him, listen, as long as you have things in front of your life that you say this must be accomplished first before you follow me, you are not ready to follow me. I, well, Jesus, I, I'll get to really serving you when. When this happens, Jesus, then I'll really start serving you. Lord, when, when the kids just get a little bit older. Lord, when the kids actually get out of the house and I feel like I've got my life back. Lord, when, when the grandkids aren't over so much. Lord, when I don't have to be doing all that. Lord, when? And Jesus says, to be a follower of me, there is no when. It's a now. There is no sometime. It's a now. Jesus knows that in our hearts, most of us mean good when we say things like, you know what, when I get my life in order then, the problem is we never get our life in order. There was a song when I was growing up called If Tomorrow Never Comes by Garth Brooks. Y'all know Garth, right? Garth used to live around these parts a little bit. But the truth is, tomorrow never comes. 
And what Jesus is saying to this guy is, if you keep postponing, then you're going to postpone to the point that you're not really following me. To follow Jesus means saying, yes, I'll go wherever, but it means I'll go whenever, which is now. And here's the last thing. Being a follower means saying, I'll go wherever, whenever. And then this guy comes to Jesus and says, verse 61, I'll follow you, Lord. And then there are those words. But first, let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus answers with this idea, in their day and time, you plowed, it was a rocky field, and you plowed, you had to watch everywhere you were going. As you went down the road plowing, you had to watch for everything that was happening. And he says, nobody's going to plow and then look around and plow while they're looking behind. And he says, to follow me, it means saying whatever, and your past is gone. You ever ride with someone that likes to talk to people in the car by looking at them while they're driving? Anybody ever ride? Anybody, anybody, any of you want to confess that you are one of those people? Anybody want to confess the person sitting next to them is one of those people? All right, I saw some hands on that one, all right? You know what I'm talking about? You're driving down the road and the person next to you says something. And you talk, yeah, I know. It's just, or somebody behind, I know. What you, what, and you just talk, right? What's the problem with that? Eyes on the road. That's right. Driver's Ed 101. Eyes on the road. Jesus says when you're following me, it's eyes on me. Nothing else. There's this great story in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Kings chapter 19. And it's the story of Elijah and Elisha. And uh, Elijah and Elisha, um, Elijah realizes he's got to have somebody uh, that's going to take care of the, the gospel, or not the gospel tonight, but the message that God had, the prophet is going. And so in 1 Kings 19, Elijah is told to select Elisha. And it gets confusing because of the names, right? Elijah and Elisha. He tells him, hey, you, Elijah, you go and select Elisha. He's going to be the one that follows him. When he finds him, Elisha is in a field plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Now, 12 yoke of oxen meant that he had a lot of money. It's an indication of his wealth. Elijah gets ready to approach him and he wonders, is this may not be easy. He's going to have to leave a lot behind. So if Elisha was going to respond, he was going to have to literally quit looking behind and move ahead. When Elisha hears the invitation, immediately he slaughters his 24 oxen. He got all of his farm plows together and he lights them on fire. He invites the people of the community over for a barbecue because he's just killed 24 oxen. And he makes a clear statement that there'll be no looking back. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Are you somebody that says to Him and means it, Lord, I'll go wherever You want me to go. I'll go whenever you want me to go. And I'll do whatever you want me to do. It's much easier to be a fan of Jesus than it is to be a follower of His. Much easier. But Scripture teaches 
that there is no greater life than following Him. 